This podcast is brought to you by the Dunfield Retirement Residence, a casually elegant retirement community located at Young and Eglinton in the heart of Midtown Toronto. Customized living options complement your independent, active lifestyle. Learn more at thedunfield.com. Again, while the Toronto Police Service will be present to ensure lawful demonstrations, we want to be very clear. We will not tolerate any intimidation, any harassment, or any hate-motivated behaviour aimed at specific communities in our city. We will always... That's some of what it's been sounding like in Canada since the October 7th Hamas massacre attack on southern Israel and the worldwide eruption of anti-Israel, anti-Semitic protests, including here in Canada. With police forces boosting patrols and pledging to keep the community safe, these same officials also acknowledge they're seeing unprecedented increases in reports of hate crimes and for Muslim communities, too. As of today, police have arrested and charged at least nine people, three in Ottawa for mischief in connection with spray-painting hate symbols on a garage, and also a 29-year-old man in a separate Ottawa case who's accused of making threats about killing Jews during a phone call with Rabbi Idan Sher of Congregation Machzike Hadas last Friday. Meanwhile, in Toronto, five people have been charged with different hate-motivated crimes, including death threats and assault, Two were for violence that happened when anti-Israel protesters were caught ripping down posters of Israeli hostages. So are these arrests and extra security helping to make Canadian Jews feel safe? Because there haven't been arrests for other incidents, such as a Surrey BC centre that was egged, a Winnipeg house where Jews live who had somebody shoot a bullet through their front door in the dead of night, a bomb threat at Ottawa's Jewish school, customers getting harassed at a Café Landwehr outlet in Toronto, hateful signs, ISIS flags, chants of from the river to the sea at some of these pro-Palestinian rallies, and a Moncton man arrested last week during Shabbat services because he wouldn't give his ID at the door of the local synagogue. I think police services should do just to make sure that people know that action's taking place. It should not have to be um, drawn out of them by the press, by CJAN. It should be something of communicating with a community uh, back and forth. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Tuesday, November the 7th, 2023. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. With the Israel-Hamas war now entering its second month and the reverberations of worldwide outrage at the deaths of Palestinians making themselves felt right here in Canada, it's not surprising some Montreal parents chose to keep their kids home from school on October 13th when Hamas threatened a day of rage, or that young people are choosing not to wear their Stars of David when they go to campus. I even heard that a friend's daughter changed the profile on their Uber account so their first name sounded less Jewish because many Uber drivers are Muslim. Jerry Alamandratis is the Director of Community Security for CJA, the Center for Israel and Jewish Affairs, and he's been busy advising Jewish groups and police, including in the case of the Jewish family living near Barrie, Ontario, where their house was targeted with graffiti and even death threats. He joins me now from Ottawa. Thank you for being here. Last time we spoke, you were advising Canadian Jews uh, institutions about beefing up their security. 
two summers ago when we were going through the 10 days of Hamas Israel, this is a whole new level. Right. We are trying to be in touch with all of the police forces in Canada, the big ones, to discuss the protests, what happened, if there are any charges, and yet there are all these command posts and extra policing. So I'm trying to make sense of, like, are they actually arresting people? About two weeks ago, I got a call from a crown. He told me of a few cases that they're actually prosecuting. He called me in strict confidence to reassure me that they are doing something. They are charging people. They're investigating people. Uh, I can't go into the specifics of what these people were arrested for, but it was anti-Semitism. This was at Ottawa Crown that told me this. uh, And some of it had to deal with some online hate. So all people posting stuff online were being arrested and or investigated. And charged. Sorry, how would we see that? Like, do they announce it? Do they do press conferences? That's that's the issue. They they do not. So this is why to reassure the community, say CJN or whatever, that they're doing something, but they cannot discuss open cases. Should they be more transparent? I yes, they should be. They should say what's going on, like the way the U.S. and the Brits and the French do. Specifically, the French. The French are the best for that. What are you seeing? in terms of the actual difference between two summers ago, the sort of ordinary protests and what you're seeing in Canada now from a question of security for Jewish people? When it comes to security, it's the multiplicity of incidents and marches that are going on. Uh, they've they've definitely increased in the way that we did not see in, in, in 2021. Uh, it's a definite engagement of a lot of information and misinformation being pushed around. There's a lot of pro- Hamas, anti-Israel uh, media uh, being pushed out both in print uh, and online. You know, recently some pamphlets were being distributed around uh, into kids' uh, uh, Halloween bags, uh, where it talks about the reality of 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 of, of Gaza, and it, it looks like a kids' cartoon, basically a comic book, and it's aimed at children. It's it's aimed at spreading misinformation of the root causes of the conflict. Right, but is that illegal? Like, is there a legal thing that can be done about this? Misinformation is not a chargeable offense under the Criminal Code of Canada. Uh, however, efforts should be done to to counter it. It's something that needs to be discussed at the uh, legislative level, right? I mean, if, if the government's so invested in online misinformation, then the same thing should be done with print media. So we're talking about the online hate bills and... Um... That that's still trying to you know get accepted in in right. Ottawa. We've had things that happened recently in um, Vancouver, where um, and and Winnipeg, for example, where um, a religious building was targeted. People's houses are being driven by, and people are you know taking uh, photos of mezuzahs. What are police doing in terms of across Canada? You talked about Ottawa, but where else? The police are taking this very seriously. Um, that is basically when people do that, that is that is a threat uh, to them. Depending, you know, to us, the context is very much hate-driven when people are taking pictures of masseuses in order to, to deal with it. But had you been at the conference uh, last uh, a couple of weeks ago, you would have heard a discussion about inserting what does hate crime mean in Canada? Because hate crime legislation right now focuses more on utterings, uh, incitement to hatred, but not what about symbols or some acts that constitute hate? 
that's something that can only be solved at the legislative level. Wait, wait, um, I'm going to interrupt you because they changed the criminal code to uh, ban displays of swastikas and yes. to ban displays of like Confederate things and also use of those and selling of them and things like that. But that is very limited, isn't it? That targets uh, one specific type of politically motivated hate. But what about a Hamas flag? You know, symbols have meaning. What about a Hamas flag? What, what about a kafia? You know, seeing the kafia for a student, something revolutionary for somebody from the war in Afghanistan like myself, it's what insurgents wore. To people from Israel or have close connections with Israel, it is the dress of Hamas, a terrorist organization, or Hezbollah. So should that not be considered a hate symbol? Should the definition not be expanded uh, to cover other things? It's a big discussion. It's going in the right direction, but different symbols evolve over time. So go back to what there is law for. Um, you you were talking earlier about online hate and that you heard there were some charges in Ottawa, which we'll pursue. What about other major policing uh, groups? What are they telling you? What have they done so far? Well, I'm actually going to be on the phone later on with uh, Toronto Police Service to talk about that because one of the issues that we see here in Canada, like I know that police are taking action. I know they take it seriously. I know that they surveil some of these demonstrations. I know they keep an eye on. However, the silence can be deafening. People need to be reassured that action's taking place. Um, you know, usually police do not talk about open investigations, and that's fine. But there should be some sort of information coming out news releases saying that, hey, we're looking at this generic incident, incident, incident in this city, that we're investigating it or it's being prosecuted or a person has been charged in relation to this. You don't have to get specifics, but in order to give people that psychology of security, that sense of security, it's important that the police also, and not only the police, also the government, leadership at all government levels are able to let us know that they care. Let's look at the way France deals with it. Macron has been very vocal about telling people that the conflict overseas is a cataclysm, but that people should not project at home. The Home Secretary in the UK said the same thing. President Biden addressed anti-Semitism in campuses. So what is our Canadian leadership at the provincial and federal level? Are they going to follow suit and give us the Canadian, but not just Canadian Jews, but Canadians at large? that sort of reassurance. And I think it's that silence that is deafening and that makes us feel more vulnerable. But then you have to go discuss command posts and how long they stay up in Jewish neighborhoods. This is crazy. Uh, it is, but it's also providing us with a sense of safety, right? It's the visible presence of security. That means there's something going on. That means that they're taking it seriously. There's command posts. If there's increased patrolling, then that is significant and we should be thankful for that sort of police presence as opposed to the police being blasé. Talk to me about what the what you're advising all the Jewish groups, uh, buildings, um, synagogues and, and schools and, and institutions to to be doing. What have what have you told them that's different than those sort of normal protocols that are already in place? Well, within our Canadian law, we're limited on what sort of actions we can do. Right. We are not the U.S., uh, you know, when it comes to how we secure ourselves, is of course 
as per something that we can never drop is our vigilance, enforcing our entry protocols, ensuring that our camera equipment is working to assist police investigations in case of any anti-Semitic graffiti or vandalism. Keeping an eye out, look out for suspicious persons, report immediately so that something is done and report immediately and report accurately of who you see or what you see, vehicles uh, or people. Some people have been telling us that how come the other sides have demonstrations all the time and go and confront Jewish demonstrations and are loud and they do sit-ins in like members of parliament's offices and what have yes. you. And there seems to be less um, aggressive Jewish reaction. Do you know what I'm saying? Like less angry protests. They're quiet protests. They're pro-Israel. They're pro-hostages. They're not anti-everyone else, whereas the other side. So are you advising Jewish groups not to start fighting back? Of course. Always take the higher ground. You know, during the conference uh, that we had recently, I prevented some attendees from heading outside and fighting because you don't want, want to be lumped uh, with the uh, the adversarial groups. You do not want to break any Canadian laws. You know, it's it's adherence to the law that puts us on a higher ground. It is what allows us to build that level of cooperation with law enforcement. Law enforcement and the Jewish communities have a great relationship because we adhere to the letter of the law. We're not out there looking for fights and there shouldn't be any aggressive conflict on the street. Students are afraid to go to university campuses. They're getting spit on. They're getting punched in the face. So how do, what legal things or what charges could stem from that? It could be anything from assault, uh, harassment. But once again, leadership has to speak. If we're not being told that anti-Semitism is going to be fought, if our leadership, civic leadership, does not address the fact that there's anti-Semitism in campus. You know, those are the marching orders for how everybody should react, administrations at college campuses, campus security, police forces, right? We At the end, it is the government that sets out the directive on what is the importance, the priorities of action. Where's our federal government? That's not municipal. That well, is- the provincial government pays and the municipal police enforce the criminal code. So it's kind of complicated. It is complicated, but like symbols, the words, the leadership is what pays dividend. When things are, when people are hurting, leadership from the person at the top has to come through. All right. I'm hearing, I'm hearing the political angle and I appreciate that. Let's just, Mm -hmm. before we end, give me some anecdotes or some specific examples, if you could, of what has happened in Canada. Maybe people don't, in terms of Jewish uh, targets. So recently we were dealing with a, with a family that was uh, was a target of some horrible anti-Semitism up in the Muskoka area. I reached out to the OPP's Department of uh, uh, Diversity and, and Inclusion and Leadership that deals with this because they've been great at, uh, at working with communities outside the bigger cities. Because sometimes we forget about the, the, the scattered Jewish communities outside of the GTA, outside of Ottawa, outside of Montreal. That department from the OPP called me back right away. Okay, so that's one. Give me another one somewhere that you're dealing with or have dealt with. What about Moncton? Oh, yeah. So that one came out. So that one has to do with capability. That you know that out east, there's only the Halifax Police Service that has a dedicated hate crimes unit. All the other uh, ones do not. 
so that's something that CJ is addressing with the provincial governments uh, and the federal governments. You know, people talk about defund the police, defund the police. Great. Okay. You know, what's community policing, which is what some people demand? Hate crimes. Hate crimes units is community policing. So, so have you advised police. Moncton to get security guards or do they already have? We advise them to get more close liaison with the police. Security guards are expensive and not all of them are created equal. No, uh, but then there's SIP grants. The government gives lots of money correct. through Public Security Canada to give these so-called SIP grants to upgrade security yes. training, panic buttons. Uh, what about Winnipeg? What's happening there? They actually had five five cases of, and there was a press conference. Yeah, no, we're, we're tracking that as well. I mean, there's no need for us to intervene as long as the local police service is engaged and aware. Canada's a big country. And so we try to uh, triage and, and, and prioritize. When I was you know, watching some of these demonstrations in Toronto a couple of weekends ago, I mean, you can't stop every... There's not enough police to go with every single sign that says the Holocaust is a lie and kill the Jews and, and hear someone chanting and, and just pull them out of the crowd and arrest them on, on site, right? Why can't they do it in the moment? So sometimes, you know, you just answered a question. Given the size of the police services, if you were to do it at the moment, you could increase tension that can result in, in fighting and reaction against the police where the police would be outnumbered and be put in a place where uh, they may not be able to react appropriately or, or if they react appropriately, uh, you know, the way sometimes the news uh, plays it, it'll be shown as overreaction and it becomes a public, you know, a public relations disaster. Police have to consider the secondary effects of their actions, right? When uh, everybody's trying to tell the narrative from their side, using footage, doctoring footage uh, to delegitimize one side or the other or the authorities. But are they following up? They are following. We brought up the concerns that we saw Hamas flags and were in discussions about what the Hamas flags are, what they represent, whether the charges uh, should be charges of, of, of hate crimes or terrorism, aiding and abetting terrorism. It's definitely laying the charges are not as uh, it's not as easy as uh, as one thinks it is. What one thinks it is. Uh, once again, one one has to consider the effects of the charges and that the appropriate charge uh, is is laid on so that the case can actually stick. Should people take their mezuzahs down and not display um, Israeli flags on their homes? No, they should not take their mezuzahs down, and they should display whatever flag they want. That's charter protected. Cowardice is not the way out, but swift legal action is. You know, something happens, say it right away. Say something, report it clearly. You know, a lot of these these actions that are that are taking place, they're there for intimidation. They're there to do away with your pride. They're there. They're there to 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 try to erase the Jewish way of life. Whenever these actions are taken, if they're not physical, they're they're there to prey on us psychologically. Does it have the damage? Yes, but we can build our resilience and shields by thinking that they're just symbols and their words uh otherwise you know if we stop attending shul if we stop sending our our kids to jewish schools what's going to be that that's the end of our jewish way of life without a single shot having been fired so do what you do lead your life as all canadians should without fear if somebody if something does somebody does harass you if there's something out there that has provoking fear report it to the authorities a lot of parents kept their kids home from the, on the 13th, right? The day of rage. But Hamas won. That is information operations. That is psychological operations. With those pronouncements, they did exactly, without having fired a shot of ordinance, 
they shot a shot of information and they achieved the same thing as artillery would have, but with words. It is there to terrify you. It is there to disrupt your way of life. It is there to keep you at home, fixed in one spot, and take away your freedom of action. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. So what exactly is the law when it comes to hate crimes in Canada? Well, there are three places in the criminal code, Section 318 and Section 319, and they cover hate speech, promoting hatred, and advocating genocide. It's also illegal in Canada to deny the Holocaust or to display swastika flags. By the way, all this news about security comes as Ottawa announced on Monday it's offering up an extra $5 million right now to help prevent hate crimes and security threats at daycares, communal offices, and other religious sites for Jewish and other ethnic groups in Canada. Now, this announcement is significant because the money covers places that didn't qualify before and also covers the cost of security guards, which again wasn't covered. Today's show also comes while there are calls from some Jewish leaders that Canada's politicians and civic leaders haven't been strong enough or loud enough in calling out Hamas as a terrorist organization, and they need to do more to help Canadian Jews feel safe. Here's Michael Levitt, for example, a former Liberal MP, now president of the Friends of Simon Wiesenthal Centre in Canada. And for the record, Prime Minister Trudeau has condemned Hamas's terrorist attacks and supported Israel's right to defend itself. To Prime Minister Trudeau, who wasn't able to attend tonight, I have several things to say. On October 7th, in the immediate aftermath of the massacre of innocent Israelis by Hamas terrorists, your initial words of support provided comfort to our community as we were shaken to the core by what had just happened. But since then, our community is feeling less comfort from you. There should be no middle ground to tread when it comes to responding to statements from Israel, Canada's longtime democratic friend and ally, as opposed to unsubstantiated claims from Hamas, a genocidal terrorist group under Canadian law. Such was the case with the tragic rocket strike on the hospital in Gaza City, where innocent civilians died and for which Israel was wrongly blamed. When it comes to the plight of the 240 hostages, babies, women, children, men, the elderly, including Holocaust survivors, dragged at gunpoint into Gaza by Hamas, Canada must lead, not follow, in demanding their immediate, unconditional release. measures and appeasement at the United Nations General Assembly simply will not cut it. The Dunfield Retirement Residence offers customized living options to complement your independent active lifestyle. Welcome home. Welcome to the Dunfield. Visit us at thedunfield.com to book a personal tour.